Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you live your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist, also a keynote and TEDx speaker, and author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym, and I hope that you do and will visit frequently for all kinds of information about wellness, positive psychology, goal-achieving psychology, rejuvenating, and everything connected with helping you be the best version of you that you can be. As podcast listeners know, we typically have very informative guests, but also guests who are enthusiastic about what they do and can help us lead our lives in the most informative, entertained, enthusiastic manner, and most productive manner so that we can continue to achieve no matter how long we are on this earth and we can be happy about it. So I don't know that there's any topic that gets us more of us more enthused than the topic of money. For many of us, uh, we have more enthusiasm about it than skilled for earning it, but it is something that we all think about, we all try to do the right way, and some people succeed. Well, we have one of the real success stories with us today. Bill Pratt is a college professor and a business and money coach at BillPrattCoaching.com. He is co-author of a college business textbook, and he speaks on topics related to money and business throughout the U.S. He has been featured on a twice-monthly TV program called Money Matters, so he obviously knows stuff about money. And Bill believes that by making the best decisions with the right attitude and information, people will accumulate wealth faster and will be able to use that wealth to improve the lives of those around them. So I'm real enthused about introducing Bill. Bill, welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. It is exciting and and I'm quite enthused about having you here with us today. Thanks, Ron. I'm excited to be here as well. Well, let's get into it then. Sure. Um, first of all, I discussed the fact that uh, you've got quite a bit of information out there about investing and money and so on. There's lots of information, lots of books, lots of uh, things online. There are lots of gurus who are prepared to tell us what to do with money. What is there about your approach that kind of makes you stand out and can help us to really become more educated, informed, and enthusiastic about how we go about dealing with money? Sure, Ron. Well, I'll tell you, it's interesting. So my background, you know, I come from a very middle-class background, sort of lower middle-class type of thing. And so I understand the importance of money from the perspective of what about people that don't have it or didn't have it before. Uh, But then, you know, now I'm in academia a lot more. um, And so I I kind of have exposure to people with money. So I, I kind of understand both perspectives. I'm a college professor and I've taught at four-year colleges 
as well, private and public, as well as the community college level. So I've also experienced kind of every possible type of student out there, right? From the adult learner to the traditional to the non-traditional and so forth. So my perspective of being able to deliver information about money comes from that background of of understanding that everybody looks at money differently. They have different values and so forth. And so that's always my approach is never assume too much, uh, never assume that someone else's values are aligned with mine, right? And then just to be able to deliver it in a way that makes the most sense to the person you're talking to. Well, do you have a uh, target market either in terms of age or how big their stock portfolio is or whether it isn't uh, or whether they're just starting? Is there any... uh, any group that you particularly pitch your work toward? Yeah, and it really depends on on who I'm working with. I kind of have a couple different target markets. One, of course, is the sort of college and just recent graduate. That's kind of one little group, and that's sort of the just starting out people. The, the main group that I work with tends to be those that are looking for a form of income from the stock market, passive income, trying to generate cash month after month, or trying to grow their portfolio from that perspective. Uh, So a lot of the folks I end up working with tend to be probably in their uh, late 30s to early 60s, quite honestly. That's kind of the, the group that tends to tend to be attracted. My third target audience are kind of what I call the Robinhood investor. And that's all those 20-somethings that are on Robinhood because they woke up on Tuesday and decided, I have $100, how do I turn into 10 grand on Thursday? Uh, Which is insane, but that's where I come in to try to like slow them down. Uh, What my approach is, which is kind of interesting, it's really about having a system. And there's opportunities that I will lose along the way but there's also losses that I won't experience along the way because I have a steady system. And I, and I think that systematic approach is one of the key differences over a lot of the people out there that are trying to show you how to turn 1,000 into 20,000, how to you know buy the one right stock, which is kind of like saying, pick the right six winning lottery numbers, <laughs> you know that kind of thing. And so I'm really about sort of a, a steady approach, but also really high, high returns as well. Well, getting to the issue of returns uh, <laughs> raises the question of, for a lot of people, a lot of us have been raised to think in terms of the fact that if you have money, put it in the bank, you're not going to lose it. It sounds like that's not necessarily the advice that you give, uh, or is it? Well, no, I mean, you want to have something in the bank. That would be what I call, or a lot of people call your emergency fund. Because emergency dollars need to be there. Emergency money is more about access than it is about growth. So you want to have a, a amount, and, and the dollar amount is going to depend on the individual, right? If you're making 400 grand a year, you need a much bigger uh, emergency fund. Someone making 30 grand a year needs a smaller one. I always recommend six months of your largest single bill. So if let's say your mortgage is your largest bill and your mortgage is 2,000 a month, then you need 12 grand in your emergency fund. Everything above that 12 grand could be invested and probably should be invested unless you know you need it in a short period of time. Like if you have a, if you're going to buy a car in three years, probably don't want to invest those dollars because you might need the money sooner. Um, But if you know you don't need it for at least five years, everything above that, that emergency fund, I think should be invested because if you're not willing to take risk, you can't get returns, right? You can't get rewarded. Everything in life is a balance of risk and return, but it's about not taking stupid risk, right? You know, kind of that here, hold my beer, you know, that not that kind of thing. Like, I bet I can jump farther off the bridge type of thing. But what I'm talking about is the right kind of risk 
with, again, that's why I use a system because it's sort of a systematic approach to minimize risk while still maximizing your gains. When you speak of system, I, I know we don't have the kind of time to explain an entire system that I'm sure you teach in a course and so on, but what does a systematic approach kind of consist of in general terms? Well, okay, so let me start with the broader picture. The broader picture with me is that about 80% of my money invested is in my retirement accounts, the 401ks, the IRAs, TSPs, whatever, 403b, whatever a person might have. Uh, about 80% goes there, and that's mostly uh, exchange index funds, right? Sort of follow the S&P 500. So it's probably earning around 10% a year. And it just, I don't do anything with it. It's kind of like a set it and forget it. Boom, that's it. Then I take the other 20% and I split it between two categories. Half of it would be invested in sort of the long-term to medium-term stocks where I choose a handful of stocks. You know, I might choose Apple or Tesla or, you know, those type of things. The other 10%, which is really the focus that I use for income generation, this is the one I'm most excited about, where I use my system, and that is covered call options, which sounds complicated, but it's actually very simple. Uh, once someone explains it, it's it's super simple and it's super easy to do. And, and so I have a system where I'm looking at certain criteria every month uh, in order to, to invest. So those holdings, I keep those dollars for about a month at a time, those holds, you know, those stocks for about a month at a time, and I sell covered call options against them. Uh, and that's how I generate money. So I generate cash month after month after month, which I use it to run my business. That's what I use for my business overhead is I just take the cash out. Other people use it by reinvesting those dollars to grow their, their portfolio exponentially faster. The term options, I'm sure scares yes, some people. It, it's, <laughs> uh, and you added a couple of terms, covered call options, uh, which seems to imply that there are other types of options and some may be less or more risky. Can you, can you explain what options are? Sure. And very briefly, what an option is, let's say you have stocks such as Apple and you buy Apple for, I'm just making up numbers here. Don't anyone look this up. <laughs> let's say you buy Apple stock for $100 a share. There are people out there that think Apple's going to rise to $120 a share by the end of the month. They will buy the rights from you to buy that Apple stock off of you for $120 uh, at the end of the month, and they'll pay you a fee to do it. So they might pay you, say, $30 for the right to buy Apple for 120, right? That kind of thing. And so what you do is let's say Apple doesn't rise to 120, you still keep their $30. So essentially the concept of an option is it gives the other person the option, not the obligation, but the option to buy it. So if it doesn't rise, they're not going to buy it, but it gets confusing without seeing slides and screens and you know being able to walk through it. But the point is, so what an option does, and it works just like a stock. When you go to your say E-Trade or TD Ameritrade account, you can click buy stock. And then you can click sell option. You know, it's just a button you click, just like anything else. But the key is it allows you to make money whether the stock goes up or down. So was what I've been told or heard or gotten secondhand knowledge of, is that wrong? Are options not risky or no more risky? Options are super risky uh, and they can be one of the riskiest ways to invest. If you don't know what you're doing, you can actually lose more money than you invested. You could literally invest five grand and lose 50 grand. I mean, in an option, right? It's insane. That that's why That's why part of my system, step one is covered calls. What a covered call is, is where you buy the stock first. 
then you sell an option against it. And what that does is that that eliminates that bad risk because if something weird happens, you have the stocks. And if somebody comes to you and says, hey, you promised I could buy it for 120, it jumped to 900 a share. You have the shares there and you say, here they are. You don't have to run out and go buy the shares to hand it to them. So that in and of itself is the best risk minimization methodology out there. So you buy the stock and then you sell options against it. And what that does, like I said, is you make money right away. So with my strategy, uh, and I'm not the only one that teaches this, I, I teach it my way, but lots of people teach covered call options. It's that you make money immediately. So day one of trading, you're making money, right? You make cash. Uh, now your stock could still go down. It could also go up. But the point is you're making money immediately. So again, it depends on what your goal is. Um, because in my system, I, and I won't go through the whole thing, but I also you know, talk about making sure you're still buying quality stock, make sure it's affordable, make sure you've got some diversification, you know, things like that, and then some other elements as well. But like I said, once you understand the system, I literally spend two hours a month, and then I make my trades, and then I'm good for a month. And so it's, it's about as close to passive income as possible, once you understand the system. So if I'm hearing you correctly, though, it sounds like you should be willing to uh, own it as opposed to say something that you don't have an interest in the stock or just think it's going to go up or something like that because you you may or may not continue to own the stock for a while. Yeah, and, and there's two different strategies. Uh, I use both strategies. One is uh, where you literally know you're going to hold it for a month. So all you care about is what you think is going to happen over a 30-day period, right? It, in other words, you might hate the company, but realize since everyone's talking about it, it's probably going to do well for a month. The other strategy is, I'll give you an example. I'll, I'll even use a stock. I, I'm invested in Vaxart. It's VXRT is the, the, the ticker symbol. But but what happened is that's one, it's a company that's actually trying to, to turn vaccines that you get by shot and give it in the form of a pill. And if it works, they're going to be big one day. But what I've done is I've held them for six months. They've dropped 25%, but I've made 30% because I sell options against them every month. So, and again, without getting into all the, the little detail, the point is, yes, it, that's an example of one where I think in the long run, it's going to be good. And in the meantime, I'm still making money, even though it's not going up. So it's, that's why I love this particular strategy. Well, to uh, get a bit away from the, the technical aspects sure. of it, and I really appreciate the the explanation, which is really understandable. Nowadays, there's there's really a, a large number of discount brokerages, uh, full service brokerages, things of this nature. Are, do you recommend that somebody knowledgeable handle their own investments or rely on a broker? Or what do you think people should be doing? Well, so I think that, again, I, I take the 80-20 rule, but then I take my 20 and split it in half. So my 80% rule is 80% of your money, I think, should be handled through some type of brokerage that is very passive, index mutual fund, just follow the market, that kind of, up until, up until retirement. Once you're retired, you want to switch it out a little bit. And if, if that's the case, then I do recommend there, again, that 80% portion that you want to work with somebody that knows, especially once you get close to and in retirement, because they understand certain things like withdrawals and tax laws and things such as that. The other 
is the, the the funds that I think are good to use in a TD Ameritrade. I use TD Ameritrade, but you know the, a lot of them are good. E-Trade's good. Um, I think Fidelity has one, whatever. But those type of accounts where you know, you, you're hearing a lot on the news or maybe you're from a particular industry and you kind of understand that industry or whatever it is, and then you can you can buy your own stocks because you're no longer paying transaction fees, which is great. That has really revolutionized, in my opinion, the ability to trade because there's no transaction fees when you're doing it on your own through a lot of these platforms now. And if you are handling things on your own, how much time should you think you have to commit to it? Is it a daily thing for X number of minutes or once a week or a month or, or what? Yeah, and that depends on what your strategy is, what your goals are. You know, there's people that are day traders out there. Day traders are future broke people, what I call them. But day traders are people that are, they literally have multiple monitors set up on their on their desk. You know, they they literally spend their day. That's their eight-hour workday is, you know, trading stocks. They could literally be buying and selling, buying and selling all day long. Most of those go broke. I mean, it's a hard way to win, really. There's going to be people telling you how awesome they are. And they might even have some screenshots, but anybody can, as I like to say, in the last couple, well, <laughs> during 2020, a blind monkey could have picked winning stocks, right? Like, I mean, it was the stock market went up so fast, so much that it didn't matter what you picked, you were probably going to pick a winner. But that's not normal. And so that's why we have to be careful. Don't take somebody that said, oh, I bought crypto and now I'm a millionaire. And so I can teach you. Not really. You missed that opportunity, right? It's like, that's like hiring someone who won the lottery who says, I can help you pick numbers. No, it's already passed. That's like kind of a chance thing. Um, so you have to be definitely be careful with that. But but all in all, yeah, you can you you don't need to spend a lot of time. Just be comfortable with your decision. I like I said, I spend about two hours a month, and that's it on mine. I, I do spend a little more time now that I'm coaching other people more or less for their sake. But on my own, I spend two hours a month, and then I, I because I do my monthly holds. And in the longer term, the less you have to to research. That's great advice. And uh, I guess one of the, the questions that I've heard recently is, I mean, there have been a lot of people who have uh, who are either self-employed uh, and have had to cut back on, on their earnings, uh, or they're people who may have lost jobs and so on. And there may be some tendency to see the market as a way to, to make up for it. What are some of the common mistakes that people make, you know, if they try to uh, overcome, you sure. know, where where they hoped to have been? I'd say one of the biggest mistakes is treating the stock market like the lottery, like bingo, like Vegas. You know, it, it's, you know, a lot of people use the word investing, but what they actually mean is gambling. And I see this all the time. I'm, you know, I'm in a Facebook group, which is an investment for beginners mostly because I like to try to help out. And most of them are saying things such as, I have $1,000 to invest. What should I put it in? I need the money out by Friday. And, you know, put it in the bank. Like, what are you doing? It's That's not how the stock market works. Stock market is long-term investing. Now, the, like I said, what I use with the covered options, that's a short-term approach, but it also has the protections of the covered call and so forth. And so one of the big mistakes is treating it like gambling. The other thing is, trying to time things. You know, oh, I think that on Tuesday, the stock market is going to dip and then on Thursday, it'll be high. So I'll buy on Tuesday, sell on Thursday. That just never works. You know, one of the fascinating, couple of fascinating things to think about. One, the average return on the stock market, the S&P 500, which is the 500 largest 
companies. So you don't have to think, right? Just the 500 largest. The average return is about 10% a year. Now, granted, there's plus 30 years and minus 30 years and plus 15s and minus twos and so forth. But the average over time is 10%. Most professional managers that we hire on Wall Street cannot beat 10%, right? Most, about three quarters of them can't even get to the index. So keep that in mind. The people who studied just this can't beat it. Now, the, the strategies that help beat it are things such as cover calls because it's a different approach. But in your terms of your regular trading, so these people that are out there thinking, well, I'll do better than most people on Wall Street because I read one book or one chapter or saw a YouTube video, they're destined for failure, quite honestly. So don't try to beat the system in that regards. That's really interesting, uh, but it leads me to what may be a dumb question. But reality is, if you look at most other disciplines that in medicine, we're certainly further along than we were 50 years ago. In my field of psychology, there are things that we're doing in the area of wellness that we weren't doing, uh, being able to work on supply chains in business and so on. What what makes this so hard that you're saying that after all these years, all these books, all these gurus, that people who have this as their business can't beat, you know, just, I, I guess, the index? That's a great question. And, and I'll tell you, what's interesting is, and you'll appreciate this with your psychology background, is that the problem with the markets are it's based on human behavior. You know, if you think about what the stock market is, it's a giant auction. So, you can have that's why cryptocurrency is worth so much. Cryptocurrency itself has no real value, right? There's it's not tied to anything. But if everybody's willing to pay $35,000 per Bitcoin, then it's going to be $35,000 per Bitcoin. If everyone tomorrow decided that it's a big hoax, it's down to 20 cents a Bitcoin. Like there's nothing to it. Businesses, on the other hand, in the long term, are based on fundamentals. Like, is this business making money? How much profit are they making? What are their expenses? What's the growth potential? But in the short term, it's based on, oh, I heard this guy who knew a guy who talked to somebody who knew another person and said the hottest thing ever is going to be Ford tomorrow. And so if a whole bunch of people go out and buy Ford, temporarily, it will spike. And then when the fundamentals come out and they realize Ford isn't doing anything more than it did the day before, it comes back down again. So the problem is it's the psychology behind it. If you could take the human element out, and that's why there's so many um, those bots out there that are supposed to help you. But the human element's the biggest one. It's we we trade on emotions too much uh, and not on fundamentals. Plus, the other problem is it's so unpredictable. You know, for example, Nobody that I'm aware of on the planet predicted what would happen in March with the February, March with COVID. You know, that's just something that's unpredictable. And so those kinds of things happen. We had the terrorist attack, you know, in 9-11 and 01. So that was something that wasn't predicted. So those types of things happen as well. And I think that's those are two of the biggest problems that that take place. That's really, really interesting. This is great, great information. But you mentioned Bitcoin, and I'm just wondering. Things like Bitcoin, not that it's the equivalent, but real estate, uh, are these things that that somebody like yourself advises on, or should a person uh, be looking toward another professional for, say, real estate uh, information, or is that part of what somebody should be thinking about as part of their overall 
investment plan. Yeah, I mean, you could think about it as part of your overall portfolio. I don't consider Bitcoin investments at all. Uh, I'm not saying that you should stay away from it. If you like Vegas, if you like casinos, if you like lottery tickets, then go for Bitcoin. It's a probably a more fun way of gambling, quite honestly. But it's nothing more than a gamble, and just just realize that. And again, I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about it, other than being real. It's gambling. That's what you're doing with Bitcoin. You're not investing. On the other hand, with stocks or real estate, you're investing because you're buying ownership into a business, right? If you buy into real estate, you know, let's say it's a, a REIT, a real estate investment trust, you know, you're buying part ownership in this business that operates commercial real estate. You know, they collect rent, things like that. If if you're buying a share of stock, you're buying a small percentage ownership in a business, you know, so when they make money, a tiny little bit of that belongs to you, right? That kind of thing. So that's kind of the difference there. But I would say that they're all different because if somebody comes to you and says, I'm an expert in Bitcoin and stock market options and real estate and flipping houses and all this stuff, what they mean is they've read a book on all of them, but they obviously don't have time to be an expert in each. So there's people that can take the overall picture for you. But then when you start drilling down in, you probably want an expert on real estate. I'm not a real estate expert. I help people with passive income so the type of people who invest in real estate are interested in what I teach, my stock market income mastery, because it's about passive income. But I don't teach real estate because I don't have time to be good at this and also be good at real estate, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that's real helpful. Uh, what do you think about gold as an investment? You know, gold's a hedge. They always talk about gold being a hedge. Uh, I know people that invest in gold, and I would never put more than, say, 10% of my portfolio in gold. I personally, as of this recording, own no gold. <laughs> so it's not really a big thing for me. But I know, you know, if I was super wealthy, you know, if I had, say, I don't know, if I was worth tens of millions of dollars, I would probably put some in gold just as a protection. You know, in my case, I'm not real worried about it. But, you know, so gold is one of those things. If you look at the history of it, gold historically, I don't even know if it beats inflation. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it might beat inflation a little bit. Meaning over the long run, gold is not much of, a, of an investment, really. But, you know, there are short term fluctuations. Certainly, I, I would assume gold probably spiked the other day. Um, uh, this would have been January, uh, whatever day when there was the sort of attack on the capital. I would assume a day like that, gold would have spiked temporarily. Bitcoin might have even spiked temporarily, right? Because it's all about the alternative form of, of cash is basically what it is. So if if you, you know, if you the type of person that wants to build a bunker because you're afraid the world's going to fall apart, gold is actually a good thing, right? Um and and I mean and I'm being kind of serious because it's all about if you think the dollar's going to fail, then gold would be a, the way to go. Okay, well, before we run out of time, there's one group of people that I want to ask you about because they're very close to my heart and very close to my age, but for many of us, the the lifespan is projected to be longer than it was when we were born and probably uh, when we started investing. And I'm wondering, are there particularly different rules or ideas that you suggest to somebody who is, whether they're retired or not, at that retirement age in the, in the second half century of life? Yeah. First of all, I would be careful. Some of the advice that's out there is still a little outdated. And frankly, it's simply because a lot of people that get into selling of stocks and stuff like that aren't really that skilled. They're more skilled salespersons than they are analysts, right? 
Mm-hmm. And so they just simply repeat what they were taught. And that is, oh, well, when you're retired, then you need to you know, shift your portfolio to very conservative. Well, the problem is you should shift a portion to conservative vesting. But if you're 65, let's say, and you think you might live to be 95, that's a 30-year time horizon. So you need a portion of your money to still be invested similarly to how a 30-year-old would have invested 30 years ago, right? You know, you you have 30-year time horizons still. So you still want a good portion, I'd say at least 60%, in my opinion. Keep in mind, I'm not an investment advisor. You know, I'm a college professor. But the I would recommend still about 60% in sort of the index mutual fund kind of thing. Because, okay, say you have a COVID year where the stock market drops 30% all of a sudden. But you don't need those dollars for 25, 26 more years. And as I like to tell my parents... If a 30-year period, the stock market can't grow, then the least of our problems is your bank account. Because that means the whole world has a real problem if over a 30-year period, we can't we can't lift ourselves up a bit. So that's one of the biggest scary things for me is that they try to be so conservative with people's money when they get near retirement that they don't allow a portion of it to grow. Um, and, and if you have extra money, that's why you know the strategy that I like to use is that it allows you to generate an extra income. But again, I'm not going to tell you, hey, if you have 100 grand, put it all in there. That's insane, right? I wouldn't put any more than 20% using the the covered call option strategy, but it's a fun way to be a participant in the market, generate cash, keep your risk low, but also kind of look at the big picture of how you're going to look at your, I guess, your timeframe, your outcome over the next uh, several years. That's really wonderful information, Bill, and really dovetails with kind of my approach from from a psychological standpoint, the the notion of at age 65, not having any plans beyond, you know, what TV show you're going to be watching tonight or, you know, where you're going to go for dinner, what you're going to have and be doing that for 30 years really leads to brain deterioration, to reduced health, reduced longevity. And uh, as I said, I think the, this information that, that you're providing, this terrific information, really goes hand in hand with that. Just a technical question, since you talked about covered calls, can you use them within a, a retirement fund? Yeah, it's the right kind. So an IRA, not, not necessarily a 401k, but if you set up an IRA, and you could do that through TD Ameritrade or whatever. But if it's something a little bit more advanced for you, then you might, then you can actually if it's TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, one of those, call them, tell them what you want to do, and they'll set you up correctly. Because the main thing is you just want to make sure it's set up correctly. But ultimately, inside a retirement account, you can kind of trade anything you want. The advantage, actually, of doing it in a retirement account is taxes. Because if it's inside of an IRA, because I'm going to pay a lot of taxes because of my, you know, I'm generating income every month. Um, so I pay taxes on it. So you'll actually save on the tax side by doing it inside the IRA. So yeah, that's still a possibility. Good to know. Uh, on a on a different note, you, you mentioned you started coming from kind of a lower middle class background. I'm always interested as a psychologist in people's journeys to getting where they are. So I'm I'm kind of wondering what what went into your decision or your journey to become probably more expert at something that that your parents weren't expert at i'm assuming you know and what what made you decide to go this money route but you know it's interesting i'm all, i like numbers i happen to like numbers i'm a numbers guy but you know what's interesting i think is a lot of it's how i was raised 
where we didn't have a lot of money, but mom was very transparent. You know, she would do her budget on pen and paper, but in front of me. And she would talk about things such as, well, if we take our vacation this year, then we can't get that pool that we wanted, uh, you know, above ground, that type of thing. Or we want to put a deck on the pool. So we're going to do this. And then funny thing, when I was in, it was either sixth grade or seventh grade, we walked into TJ Maxx or Marshall's, one of those. And mom hands me an envelope. This is in August, right before school started. And I said, what's this? And I opened it up and there was like $100 in it or whatever it was in cash. And she said, this is your back to school shopping budget. And so all of a sudden, you know, those $60 shoes I wanted, I put those back on the shelf because, oh, I have this much money and I need to make it last. I'd like to get pants and shirts too. And so it helped me make those kinds. And I don't, and mom, I don't think intentionally did it this way, but it was kind of that kind of upbringing that made me very aware. And then I observed how unaware most people were. And then I got interested enough to start helping people. Um, and then, you know, just started talking about it, studying it and so on and so forth. The next thing you know, I find myself, I've written books and I'm actually teaching a personal finance class. And, and that it just, I just kind of rolled into it that way because I took such an interest because I've always had a desire to help people. And this is one way I can help people by helping teach them about money. Cause I realized most people, not only do most people not understand it, but most people are given wrong information. And that's really the big key. That's quite a story. You obviously are really good as a teacher. I can, can tell from, you know, what you've taught us today and uh, obviously good at handling money and, and investing it. So I'm wondering, uh, what can people learn from you beyond this podcast? Do you have, uh, does somebody have to go to wherever you're teaching or do you have some ways that we can learn online? Or Yeah, so actually I have, uh, if they want to get started on anything, they can go to freepodcastoffer.com and that will allow them to kind of, there's a, a PDF that I put out there um, that kind of explains a bit more about the strategy. And then once you get that, you'll have access. You can click the links and, and find all about me and, and so forth. So again, it's freepodcastoffer.com. It's a free download, kind of get you started, give you some information. A lot of the stuff that we talked about, it's hard to understand without having something in front of you visually. You start talking about numbers or anything, you kind of need that. Um, but yeah, and I do offer some free webinars as well as some, you know, courses for a fee that are more, you know, more in-depth courses online. So even though the reason I, I, I started this originally was because I was so frustrated that my students had no information and or wrong information and they couldn't figure out how to invest and they couldn't figure all this stuff out. And so I thought, well, they're probably like everyone else. And that's kind of what inspired me to get started and spent a lot of time putting a course together, uh, several courses on these types of topics, like whether it's spending, paying off debt, or certainly what we were talking about today, which is about investing in a way that you can actually make money in the markets without taking unnecessary risks. Okay, great. And that's, that's really both a creative and good way to uh, to know how to reach out to you, the, the issue of that we can go to freepodcastoffer.com. We'll have that in the show notes too, but it's really kind of easy to remember, uh, which raises a question that I just thought of. Why are kids these days exposed to more of this information growing up than, than people in my generation or, or probably in your generation? Is, oh. is it still not a a commonly taught course at beyond, you know, majoring in it in college? Yeah, they're exposed to more information in general, right? Because they have Google. They grew up with Google so and YouTube, Google and YouTube. In fact, most people that I've encountered are getting 
their knowledge and education from YouTube. And that's kind of a dangerous way of doing it. There's a lot of good stuff out there, but it's not filtered. That's the advantage of academia, I guess, is it's kind of saying we've pre-selected material and people you know, to teach it. Um, but yeah, so they definitely have a lot more exposure. The other thing is they have a lot more access because of things like apps on their phone where they can trade. They could literally be at the doctor's office in line and go, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to buy some stock right now. That gives them a lot of access, but that's also a very dangerous way of trading, right? I like to tell people trading is like having a, a, a power tool. And if you're doing it on your phone, it means you're basically, it's like operating a power saw and flip-flops with a cape, okay? <laughs> because it just doesn't make sense. It's a, it, you might not get hurt, but there's a really good chance you will. And so I'm always leery of people just randomly trading on their apps on their phone. I'm thinking, if you don't have a computer in front of you, you're not doing any research. You're not looking at anything. So that's a little bit scary. Um, so yes, they have more information but they don't necessarily have good information. And so they're making more dangerous moves than what we did growing up. Okay, that's, that's real helpful to know. We learned about freepodcastoffer.com. Do you have a website or someplace where they can get information about your other courses or anything else that, that, that you may have to offer? Yeah, I mean, you can go to Bill Pratt coaching.com, billprattcoaching.com. And so I do business and money coaching. So certainly, you know, they probably focus on the money side there. Um, so I do both. That's that's actually why I was smart enough to buy freepodcastoffer.com, right? Because I'm a business coach. I, I yeah. know that's <laughs> so, so yeah. uh, clever and creative. Yeah, it, it, it was talk. a great one to have. But, but yeah, so billprattcoaching.com is my uh, my main website. And then, like I said, the free podcast offer, it actually just redirects you to one of those pages where I have oh, that cool. download. So, yeah. Okay, so you only have to think about freepodcastoffer.com and can get everything. Uh, still really amazed that, that nobody thought of it before <laughs> you. That, that was, you can see why uh, why you're pretty creative with money. Uh, you think <laughs> a little differently than a lot of people. But uh, we again, we will have all this information on the show notes. And, you know, I, I think it would be kind of silly to not take advantage of a free podcast offer particularly in an area where so many of us are kind of uneducated or undereducated or wrongly educated. But I'm glad to have played a part in trying to interrupt some of this misinformation. Bill, it's been an absolute delight and real, real informative program. We gained so much from you, and I think we can now become a lot more enthusiastic about the money side of our lives I really appreciate what you had to offer. And uh, I can't promise we won't call you back at some point. I'm always happy to talk about money, Ron. (laughs) Sounds like you don't have too much difficulty in doing so. And (laughs) our listeners will certainly benefit from that. So anyway, this is the conclusion of our program. This is Dr. Ron Kaiser. And our show is Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. We featured Bill Pratt today talking about money and helping us to avoid some of the mistakes and do some of the new creative things that can hopefully help us become wealthier or certainly less poor by avoiding some things. Uh, So again, been been a great pleasure, Bill. And for those of you who listen regularly, please you know, download, rate, review, and let people know about our podcast and visit the Mental Health Gym website so that you can stay updated on all things wellness. And if you haven't yet, 
gotten your copy of Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. Again, it's available in all formats on Amazon. So let's wrap things up until next week when we have another interesting and enthusiastic guest. Let's thank Bill and let's sign off until next week. Stay safe.